Hi, this is April Mazza. And this is Christy Showman Fair. And this podcast is Overdue. We're friends and colleagues, librarians, librarians. And each episode, we talk about books we're reading, things we're loving, and library advice we're giving. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, April. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. I know because last time we got to, we had just been in person. That's right. And then got to see each other. And then, so it's yeah. just felt like no time. And now this is like weeks. Weeks have gone by at least two or three. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't listened to that particular episode, uh, that was number 21, our Boston Book Fest sort of summary and wrap up, um, you'll definitely want to take a listen. I think it's one of my favorite episodes just because we both had had so much fun there. And even though we weren't together the whole time, we had like these shared experiences. Yeah. That was really cool. And yeah, it was just a fun, it was a fun one to edit too. I've also loved the follow-up um, because we've connected with some of the creators too. That's right. Yeah. Well, actually that reminds me, we got a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts from one of the authors that I had seen on a panel, Nora Lester Murad wrote, it's fun to hear book lovers talk books. And it just made me really happy. I put it up on Instagram so people could see. And we just love when people give us reviews. It helps other people find us. And yeah, it just gives us all the warm fuzzies. It does. So it thank does. you. Yeah. Um, and we love knowing that people listen. <laughs> Even just because it's still and, like, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, I've heard other podcasters say this before that, you know, it's wild to think that people are listening to them. And I think, and I get it. It's, it is. I mean, I know our mm-hmm. friends listen, but that people right. we don't know. Right. Yeah. Hello Super to you, cool. strangers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just so glad people enjoy it because we yeah. like making it, but you do, you know, it's just like creating anything else. You have no idea once you put out into the world, you know, is it just for you? Um, and, and it's turning out that, this isn't just for us. Exactly. And that's awesome. And speaking of that, do you want to um, yes. do our special thing this month? Yes, yes. <laughs> we have birthday shout outs for our Patreons and so exciting. And the, I, I love that this is the case, though. So our December birthday shout outs are to Laura M and to Laura H. Yes. Happy December birthdays. <laughs> yes, the Lauras. Um, so thank you for supporting us. We hope you both have happy, happy birthdays. That's right. Well, especially poor December birthdays, which you have as well, do, Christy. Yeah. <laughs> Happy yeah. birthday to you. Thank you. But yeah, this is a uh, birthday shout out is one of the perks if you are a Patreon uh, supporter. So if you would like to hear your name um, shouted out on your birthday, you can consider supporting us over there. And actually the easiest way I think to find our stuff is to go to our Instagram at this pod is overdue. You can also go to our um website, which is podpage.com slash this hyphen podcast hyphen is hyphen overdue, which is why we like the Instagram. Yeah. The Instagram. Just, just easy. Yeah. <clears throat> Go to the link in our bio and you can find all this stuff. And also, as mentioned, giving us a review is awesome too. We know not everyone has uh, finances to support us 
through Patreon. But if you did have a little bit of money and you wanted to buy us a coffee, you can do that through Ko-Fi. And if you do that, you will be the first person because so far no one has done it. <laughs> and I really just want someone to do it, mostly because I'm curious how, what will happen how it works. Uh, once. Yeah, how it do works. Do you think that like a drone will just fly to our houses and drop a cup of coffee at Well, I'm pretty sure that's possible. So I would love it if that was the case. And I would definitely, this time of year, I would take a peppermint mocha, no whip, just like it straight up. Um, That would be great. Thanks very much. (laughs) But yeah, we just, you know, that you listen supports us. If you do reviews, if you tell other friends, follow us on Instagram, Uh, all of that helps us out too. And, And then what we do is we use all that support to do things like have a transcript. Um, We are working on getting new artwork up. Um, I just learned that reviews would show up on our webpage if we upgraded to the pro version. So that's something we're like, ooh, maybe in the future we can do that. Um, Yeah, right now it's just a very homegrown effort. So any little bit of support helps. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening. So do you want to- Bye. And that's a wrap. Yeah, have a good day. No, we have so much more to talk about. I was just going to say, do you want to start with your book? Sure, sure. So I'm so curious yeah. to see if there's like a connection. Like, did we I know, do it I'm again? Always, yeah, I'm always curious about that. Um, but also, I think this might blow your mind a little Uh-oh. bit. Uh, the book I want to talk about today is The Girl Who Drank the Moon by <gasps> Kelly Barnhill. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why <laughs> I thought this would get a reaction out of Christy. For those who don't know, uh, that book won the 2017 Newbery Award, and I was on the committee <laughs> for that. So I'm not going to talk about uh, that process at all, really. Like, that's not what this is about. <clears throat> I read the book. Uh, I'm going to just apologize in advance for all the throat clearing I'm doing. I think Christy feels the same way today. <laughs> I don't know why. But, um, but yeah, so this book, I read it back in 2016, um, more than once as, as part of this committee. Uh, I decided to read it again recently because my husband and I, Brian, we were watching this series on Prime called The Terminal List. It has Chris Pratt in it. Uh and it, I'm not even really going to talk much about this, the series. It was just that in the uh, show, I think episode one, the main character's daughter is reading The Girl Who Drank the Moon. Right. I remember when you told me about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just like, you know, we both saw it on the screen and we both like freaked out. Like I paused <laughs> the TV. Um, and it was just like really exciting to see because, I mean, I always love seeing books in TV and movies anyway. I feel like it gives validation to literature somehow. And I just love seeing that and seeing what characters are reading or like if celebrities have a book, you know, and you're like, not written a book, but are reading a book. And you're like, ooh, what are they reading? Um, So, and then at that time, Brian expressed interest in reading it together. And so- um, Oh, how cute. Yeah, we- (laughs) We read aloud to each other, um, not every night, but we we try to have a book on hand. And we've we took, I think, almost two years to read The Hobbit. And I'm going to blame that all on me because I just wasn't that into it. But he really was. 
And I'm just not going to say no to like, you know, a person wants to read a book out loud to me. Um, but that, that was a dense one. This, uh, anyway, this is much different experience and it's really different though, revisiting it just for pure pleasure reading, right? Like I'm not thinking about it critically. I'm not analyzing it. I'm not placing it, you know, in context with other books that I'm reading at this time. It's just pure pleasure reading. And it's, it's just so wonderful. And I bet it's a big difference reading it out loud too, because you didn't read it out loud to yourself. That's correct. Yeah. Well, especially this book, which I'll get to uh, in a bit, the language is, you know, it's so beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so unique. And part of that is because it is a fantasy. So you have like, you know, regular, real, quote, real language that is interesting and evocative, but then you have made up words um, that are also interesting. And, um, but also I, I decided to talk about this book here because it made me think about the themes of the book and as they related to the show, because I do think it was picked intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does appear again in the show. Maybe they read a little bit together. I can't really remember. We watched the show a while ago. Um, but the the plot of The Girl Who Drank the Moon, for people who don't know, kind of, ba- I'll keep it short and basic too, but um, there's this town and they give up a baby every year to a witch that lives in the woods. And they have this kind of like special ceremony and this council of people who wear these cloaks. And it's really kind of horrifying. Um, They believe this protects them from the witch. Uh, The community believes that that's what they've been told, but the leaders actually don't believe this. They, they are leaving this baby out in the woods to die. uh, And they're using this tactic to control the community. So this is their way of like keeping people in check and, um, you know, making sure they, with fear. Yep. And making sure they do what they're supposed to do, but they, they totally know that they're just leaving this baby out there. Meanwhile, there actually is a witch. (laughs) There really is a witch. And she has found out that people are leaving babies in the woods. She doesn't know it has anything to do with, her or an imaginary her, she just sees the baby and she's like, what the heck is wrong with these people? (laughs) And so she takes the baby and brings them to other villages so that they can be adopted. And they're called star children. And they're really quite special to the people and these different towns that end up adopting them. But one year she finds a baby and she, uh, the part about the girl who drank the moon is that the witch is kind of feeding the baby from the stars, but then she accidentally feeds her a little bit from the moon as well. And that enmagics her. And, you know, throughout this sort of traveling where she's supposed to give the baby up to another um, family, she ends up keeping her for her own. Um, And as I say, I don't want to give too much away. And this really isn't so much about the, the plot, as I mentioned, but just that the, this particular theme was really interesting to me to have it come up again. So, you know, when I first read it, as I mentioned, it was 2016. Trump had just been elected. Um, The world seemed like a very different place somehow all Mm -hmm. of a sudden. But the story was very prescient. Like, even though 
you know, if you think of the writing process, Kelly Barnhill must have written it, you know, I don't remember how many years it took her to write it, but she was writing it while a lot of these issues um, were just an undercurrent. Yeah. Right. But but it goes back to fear mongering. That's like kind of the main um, theme. And in the show, The Terminal List, um, that main character played by Chris Pratt, he's like in some special ops military. Again, I'm not going to remember. And that's not usually my my vibe anyway. It's it's I don't even think I would recommend it to most people because it is very violent. And if you don't like that kind of thing, you're not going to like this. But he's in this special operation that goes horribly wrong. Um, I think he ends up being one of the only survivors. And he he really questions like what happened with this mission. He learns bits of information here and there that makes him think that the military, you're pointing at me. <laughs> you, you are sneaking in a second thing. No, I'm not because <laughs> like I said, I'm not necessarily recommending the show, but I do think like you don't, you don't feature a book. And I would say the book was featured, even though it's not like in the series a lot, but like you see the cover, the girl, the character, says the title yeah um i think they do read a little bit of it yeah so i'm thinking this is really intentional like you could pick and i don't think it was just because it had won a newberry several years ago (laughs) like i think it was picked very for a reason and that's the thing like this character he he begins to wonder if the military and the government had kind of set up this disaster but as the audience member, you're like, oh, is he paranoid? Is it PTSD? I think at one point there's like brain injury or something like that. Or is there really a conspiracy? And you're kind of almost like never quite knowing. And in the book, the villagers are, you know, kind of held held captive by their government, this form of government. Um, and because of, of fear mongering. And it, it just seemed like, it's so related um, that made me wonder if like they did pick it on a pick it for a reason. And in both cases, the people in those situations do outrageous things, including causing other people harm because of this fear um, that has been instilled in them. Yeah. So, you know, like in the show, he hurts people physically in the book, people hurt each other psychologically, but also um, by leaving babies out, you know, in the woods, they don't know that the babies are saved, but they, they're, but they're doing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I, I thought that was really interesting. And then, you know, how it made me think about how Kelly Barnhill writes and like kind of going back to how like she kind of tapped into this part of society that, I mean, I don't think that's very new fear mongering, you know, it's been used throughout history, but like that she was seeing what's going on in our country. And then she's amazing at that. Yeah. Well, she really is. Right. And then like, we talked about the, um, when women were dragons, exactly. Yeah. She was writing before the Supreme court decision, but it came out on the day of that leak. And you know, it's so freaky. And actually, um, you know, I'm still still reading when we talk about reading out loud taking forever. I'm still reading the Ogress and the Orphans to my son. Mm-hmm. And it's similar. Like 
the themes that she sees in society and then blends into these fantastical mm. worlds is right. fantastic. Right. And I like that. You, I like the use of fantasy as to sort of write allegory, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the, this, it's not so much that it softens it because the, I would say the book is not soft. Like there's parts of the book that are really scary um, even as an adult. Um, but that it sort of, I think it takes the issues out of context enough, you know, puts it into this fantastical world and then you kind of have to like reinterpret things. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this story, you know, she's using this tool to, to expose um, these things to the reader, right? You're, yeah. you are now having to think critically and like value truth Um, and, but then, like I said, too, it's, it's got this beautiful, rich language and just the way she writes is so captivating. And we, and like you said, reading it out loud and having someone else read it to me also is this whole other experience of like really enjoying that language. Her language Um, is delicious. Like mm -hmm, it is so mm -hmm. enjoyable to read her books out loud. I, I've, I've just, I mean, so I, I uh, my uh, friend Brandy and I were talking just yesterday about how The Ogress and the Orphans is a very long book. It probably mm-hmm. could have been a little shorter, but I don't mind because I really right. love reading it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And I think the way she writes too, she mixes in humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about the um when women were dragons because i didn't read that one well now you have to well i will (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah this you know the girl who drank the moon if you haven't read it if you haven't given it a try yet um of course i recommend it uh you know addition to everything else i've said it's got amazing characters that you'll absolutely fall in love with um you know the plot is is intriguing. It's special. It's interesting. It's, you know, I just think plot wise, it's not really like anything I've read before. Um, and yeah, it's just the way she tells a story. It's gives like a different perspective. Oh, the, she gives different perspectives, yeah. you know, there are different characters. So the way she tells the story is really interesting. And, and yeah, are you very special? Tell our listeners just how much you love this book. What do you mean? <laughs> you don't just love it because it's an award. You like will love it forever. I will love it forever and ever. It's I've also got a tattoo of <laughs> some of the cover art on my arm, so I better like this book. <laughs> that's what I was gonna that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's what you were getting at. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's definitely I mean it's special to me personally, but I just think it's also a it special. Is. It book. is a fantastic book. Oh, well thank you for agreeing with I'm me. I'm so glad you picked it. <laughs> Thanks. And there is a uh, connection. Oh yeah. So tell me about what you've been reading. My book was about witches too. Oh yeah. cool. Yeah. So I read Improbable Magic for Cynical Witches by Kate Skelsa. Uh I learned about it on Instagram and I can't tell you exactly where right now. Um but I think another book um, account that I follow had posted about it. And I was just looking for something different. And so I placed a request, came in, um, and it is, it's a YA book. Um, it is set in Salem, Massachusetts. So 
for me, that's always fun because I live right there and I'm in Salem mm-hmm. all the time. I'm just always in Salem. And uh, so I, I'm always interested to see how that goes. You know, some people write about Salem, but never have been here. <laughs> so, um, and then other times they get it right. So this, um, the the description is um, 17-year-old Eleanor is the last person in Salem to believe in witchcraft or think that her life could be transformed by mysterious forces. Um, so she's she's the cynical witch in the story. Um, she's uh, would be a high school senior, but has finished school early. And she works at a souvenir store in Salem downtown on Essex Street in the pedestrian mall. And um, so for anybody who has never been to Salem, there's this part of a uh, street that is closed off to traffic. And so you can just walk around and there's tons of stores and there are like all these um, like haunted house kind of experiences around a lot of touristy things and tourism drives Salem's, uh, you know, um, in not industry, but economy, mm-hmm. um, especially in October. Um, and so uh, Eleanor is really not a fan of the whole tourism thing, um, but she works in the store because her mom's best friend owns the store. And um, one day, a handwritten note shows up with a, a book about tarot cards. And um, she's interested just because it's this thing that shows up. They don't know where it came from. It's a mystery. And the same day that that shows up, two girls show up in the store um, who are just really intriguing. And so, it, so the story ends up being um, what they called a witchy, atmospheric, lesbian, contemporary romance set in Salem. <laughs> And I'm intrigued. (laughs) I am not a romance reader in general. Like that's just not my Mm -hmm. thing. It's the whole uh, um, princess bride kissing book thing. Like I, mm -mm, nope. But I I like the buildup of relationships and thinking about relationships. And this one was really so wonderful um, because Eleanor is dealing with a disastrous relationship that happened prior and that we we learn about in flashbacks and then this budding new relationship with a witch um a girl who's in a coven um in salem and they she they're all high school students who want to um it clean the energy of salem around the um the salem witch trials and so um i i loved all the little details about the local stuff i think that Eleanor is a little bit more cynical than some of us who live in the area. Um, but I loved the nods to things and, and the humor from that perspective. Um, and then there had my favorite device, literary device, interstitial uh, chapters. <laughs> so, uh, and they were all, they're all um, from the the written tarot book that has, that shows up and they're um, introducing and describing the different cards uh, in oh, a really well, like uh, really humorous but also informative and interesting way um, so that I learned a little bit but also it ties back into the story and how throughout it all the healing the, the healing of energy isn't just about healing Salem's energy but actually healing Eleanor's energy too and helping her kind of move beyond her disastrous experience oh cool yeah. very interesting yeah um, I liked, and I, I did, t- I took a picture at one point because there's this like perfect line that like, I know the per- the author doesn't live here, but must have spent some significant amount of time here because um, mm-hmm. there's a line about how all the, um, all the like witch tourism things, um, you know, the, all the like supposed memorials are 
fake places because mm. all the real places were mostly tor- torn down that were actually like um, right. related and that the only like true memorial is in the town where I live. So <laughs> right, right. A whole different <laughs> yeah. town nearby. But nearby. Still, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it was, it was just what I needed. It was, mm-hmm. um, you know, had a, a little, had some deep and, and um, serious themes in it, but in general felt light and hopeful and um, it was a quick read. I really enjoyed all the characters uh, and uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Nice. And I found I out like that the, fun book. the author is in a band. Too. Oh, interesting. So I haven't listened yet. I just found out today when I was doing my my research. It's called the witch. The band is called the Witch Ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm definitely interested. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. We always talk about books, and we are now moving into the holiday season of gift giving. Depending on which, doesn't matter which holidays you celebrate. There are a lot of gift giving things that happen in the next few months. And um, so April, do you enjoy receiving books as gifts or, and or giving books as gifts? I like this question. Um, I do. I do like both, actually. Uh, I, I, But I have to say, I don't receive or give that many books anymore. And I think it's hard to do both without really knowing the person you're gifting to. Um, And so I'll say like, I haven't received a book as a gift in a while. I like, I will almost always like any cookbook that I'm given um, because that's one of the few types of books I actually buy because to me they're useful, right? Like I mostly want to borrow books (laughs) from the library and try not to like overstuff my house with books especially things I'm not going to read again. But cookbooks to me are always useful as are like crafting books. Although I've, you know, again, I think it's hard, like if you don't know what the person already has or, you know, what they're interested in, it can be a hard one to gift. But I feel like cookbook, you almost can't go wrong, at least with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think when I was younger, it was a bit easier too. So, and I I will be curious as someone who's a parent, if you find it easier, because I think if you live in a household with people, you know more again, like what they already have and what they're really interested in and what kind of book they would want. Um, So as a gift giver, it is helpful to me to know, um, you know, what you already have and, um, what kind of book you would want. And when I used to give books more often, it was when like my nieces and nephews were quite young and it was like almost my thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be too cliche, like, Oh, our aunt who's a librarian always gives a book. Um, (laughs) You know, I tried to make it something very special. And when I have asked like parents or caregivers, and I'll usually get some, you know, tips like I've had, nieces or nephews who like were really into you know plants so like picking out a really good one for that particular age or magic or something like that um but yeah I find it a bit harder to do and then for adults I think it's hard again because like I don't want to give a book that they already have 
Um, or like so many people are so busy. I feel like they, even myself, like I don't read as much as I'd like. Um, and, but one thing I do love that I want to mention, and then I want to hear what you think. Um, I love the idea of giving someone a book that you've really loved. Yeah. And I have done that in the past and I've received books in the past and like where you write a little note, you know, I, I, I have just loved that. Like getting a book with a little note you know, that might say like, I really love this book and I hope you love it too. And that could be anything, you know, it could be a novel or something else. In fact, I have one that sits by my desk. It's um, why you should read children's books, even though you are so old and wise, like <laughs> Catherine Rundell. It's got this cute little owl on it, but inside my friend uh, Marcella just wrote, I love this little book and I hope you do too. And so when I, you know, flip through it, I also get to think of the person who oh, gifted it that. to me. I have a funny that popped into mind as you were talking um, that about being a librarian and giving gifts. It's what, um, when my kids would go to birthday parties, we often gave games because we also love playing games. And there was a year, I think when my son was like three or four and we picked a game for his friend and the mom kind of gave a offhanded remark of like oh well we thought we were going to get a book because you're a librarian oh. and I was like <laughs> yeah oh okay right <laughs> um well and that does remind me too though of another thing I like to do and again I haven't done much mostly because I haven't been to many conferences lately but getting a book signed by an author and then giving that away as a gift um because I did have I had a thing like that actually happen <laughs> with a nephew where it was more like, oh, I already have this book. And I was like, yeah, but look inside. This one's signed to you from the author, you know. But, you you know, kids don't always no, appreciate my kids, that like, when they get older. Maybe. I'm hoping that when they get older, my kids have not really <laughs> understood or I mean, they understand it, but not really appreciate it as much. Um, I love getting books. I don't ever get books because people are afraid of giving a librarian books. They think I already own everything. Um, and we had that even with our kids too, that, you know, people wouldn't give our kids books because they thought that we must already have bought everything. But I'm like, but now I work in a library. I borrow the books and bring them home. Right. Um, but so a number of years ago, I think probably when my son was really little, maybe when he was a baby, uh, I don't remember where I heard about it, but uh, we, in an attempt to kind of decrease the amount of stuff that was coming into our house at the holidays, um, for we do celebrate Christmas. And so um, for Christmas, we decided to stick to this structure for giving gifts to our kids and my husband and I to each other. So we do um, something you want, something you need, something to wear and something to read. Which I love, and I make you repeat it to me like, <laughs> almost every year. I I love that. I love it's, everything it's great. about it. And uh, so, it, you know, it gives structure. It it decrease. We don't just buy a ton of stuff for them. You know, they get they have grandparents who give them things too, and um, and and it also helps us be really intentional. I think, um, and I love that I do get books that way too. So. Um, and do you, so my question is, do you give hints about what kind of books you would like? I don't. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, sometimes I, I have, I will say that in my family, um, I've created wish lists because they'll be like, mm -hmm. we need to know what you want. I create one and nobody ever picks anything from the list. Funny. So like, <laughs> I'm like, why, why am I doing this? Um, yeah. We do, 
it tends to be a lot of cookbooks because my husband and I both love cooking and mm-hmm. baking. And so that's an easy thing. And so, or like, you know, one year it was um, the, the cookbooks that were related to a TV show we were watching. And so like, that was exciting. Um, right now. Um, I mean, so my kids, when, when we go to stores and stuff, rather than bending to them, wanting to buy stuff, I tell them, well, well, let's put it on your wish list. And so I take a picture of them with, or I take a picture of the thing. So I, that's a, how I get a lot of ideas for books for them. Um, or like, th- like this year I ordered a book for my daughter that's a signed copy of a, a compilation of comics all about sharks. Oh, cool. So, I mean, she's pretty easy when it comes to like that type of stuff. So graphic novels yeah. and sharks for her, my son loves sciencey things. Um, Sometimes they are books that I've gotten at conferences and I just save them mm-hmm. for the holidays to give away. And then my mother-in-law is a, a big reader. And so I actually do really like getting to buy books for her too, to mm-hmm. like find things that I think she'll like to read. And my dad too, I, um, for his, he just had his birthday and I gave him two books and I use the um, NPR um, book concierge. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So That's he loves great. nonfiction and I don't read as much grown up nonfiction usually. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I read some, but not, a, not as much as, as I would need to, I think, to find things that he likes. So that's what I use to find books for him this year. And yeah, I love it. I love giving books so much. Um, and so I, I do it more now. Um, sometimes they're joke books. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's this, there's a series of picture books that I think they were originally self-published, but they are, um, they're, they're t- titles and stories use terminology that for children is very innocuous, but for grownups, there's an, there's like a, another layer that's often, um, R-rated. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So, like, last year, actually, um, one of the Laura's for her birthday last year, I gave her one of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's. I think books have the potential to do so much. Um, and actually, uh, this is – I have this um, – I wrote it down on my notes as a bonus, but, um, mm-hmm. but it was going to be related to my um, – to – I don't even know what I was going to have it be related to, but um, – so uh, it's Book Saves Lives. Uh, the uh, We Need Diverse Books um, campaign this year has a uh, yes. lot of t-shirts and swag that say Book Saves Lives mm-hmm. on it. And they are doing that. I mean, if you buy it something from that line, they are donating money to organizations that help support fight, helps fight against book challenges. Oh, excellent. And um, so the, the link here for this is that I think think that that you know books have the potential to do so much they make people happy they are therapy they mm-hmm. are um their ways of seeing yourselves yourself in a story or seeing other people's experiences and building empathy and they save lives and so yes i love i love books as gifts and absolutely yay yeah. <laughs> well and i think I love all of that too. And I've seen the, um, I've seen the, we need diverse books. Uh, I've seen that campaign on Instagram and the, the t-shirts are gorgeous. So I, I have some from I a just different campaign, myself one. but yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I have some from yeah, you have a the, different the dragon artwork, one, right? but <clears throat> the, the LGBTQ yeah, and, books. Well, yep. We need LGBTQ books, but also there's one that says just, we need diverse books and it's all flowers, but you just can't go wrong with these. Yeah. 
um, t-shirts. They're beautiful. And, but I am also thinking about how like giving books as a gift is such a personal thing. And that feels really good to me too. Like it feels very warm. And after, I didn't even mean to do this because I hate Black Friday and I don't intend to <laughs> shop Black Friday, but I actually ended up at an independent bookstore oh, when I was traveling. Yeah. yeah. So totally fine. That's, that's excusable or allowable in my brain. Um, but I was with um, a relative and they wanted to get a gift for the person that had hosted Thanksgiving. And it was so much fun to browse around the store. I hadn't been to this bookstore and, you know, just with the holidays in mind and thinking about books as gifts, um, it did. It made me feel really warm. And like she wanted to pick out something, you know, for this particular person, um, you know, sort of based on food. She ended up getting a Stanley Tucci book because you know oh, he's an actor, yeah. but he does a lot of um, cooking and he's got a memoir, but also cookbooks. And, um, you know, just, yeah, that idea of like you putting thought into it and getting something for someone that's particular to them. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe people buy books just like, oh, I just saw this one and I bought it for you. Like, I don't can't imagine <laughs> that in my head. Like, I think more thought goes into it. But then I also insisted that I buy as part of this package. Um, they had like a bookmark that was in the shape of a cleaver. And I just <laughs> that went so well together. Um, I'm like this, ha- you know, you have to put these two together. I'll buy the bookmark. Uh, but yeah. I think it's such a great idea. And I was so glad you asked this question. By the time this comes out, uh, many of these holidays may <laughs> be over, but it's never a bad time right. to their get birthdays, a book. Their birthdays, they're like, just because. Exactly. Gifts. No reason to get a book or give a book. Yes. <laughs> so April, what have you been learning I learned that I'm probably considered old by how I use. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't even get to finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you are old. You just learned that. <laughs> I just woke up yesterday and I'm old. <laughs> yeah. I, well, yeah, pretty much every day I feel older and older than the day before. Okay, I'm um, sorry. No, I'm, I, I'm old by my emoji use. Um, or the particular emojis that I use. So you might have seen this or our listeners might have seen this actually a few weeks ago, but there was this poll that came out and it was basically like Gen Z people, uh, you know, they have canceled these certain emojis. um, And if you use them, then you're considered old and they're cringy and whatever. (laughs) So, and, and like why they don't use these emojis. Um, including the thumbs up, which is seen as passive aggressive and rude. And I use it all the time as sort of like a, like, okay, got it. You know, like, so if someone says like, oh, I'm running late, I'll see you in a few minutes. I give the thumbs up emoji or like, my husband will be like, can you pick up milk at the store? We don't even drink milk. Uh, (laughs) Thumbs up emoji, you know, whatever. So I'm sort of like, oh my gosh, that's like passive aggressive. Like, I don't, I don't even see, I don't, I don't understand that one at all. And how did that happen? I'm curious about, but I can sort of see how, you know, I definitely understand like emoji and you've talked about it with the hand emoji book. Like they can be interpreted. Oh, yeah, they're not, absolutely. you know, you can use they're them not in different always ways. 
Mm -hmm. And they're not cut and dry. And they, just like any other language or communication, they evolve. And maybe with something like the thumbs up, like maybe if you get that a lot from like a parent, uh, like if you're a teen now and you get that a lot from a parent, maybe maybe like, it's seen mad. as sarcastic, yeah. like, okay, well, kind of thing. <laughs> I think I can make you feel a little bit better, at least about the thumbs up emoji. Because I saw that article and then there were a bunch of like reaction articles. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the thumbs up thing came from one post on Reddit. Oh, One really? person who okay. was like, I think it's passive aggressive. Oh. So I don't necessarily think that that's a, right, like, a yeah. blanket well, statement. But you're right that yeah. like emoji usage is totally different. Oh, yeah. Well, no, and I think that's interesting too, though, because what I had come across, you know, I kind of seen the headline about this poll and was sort of like, whatever. But then I, um, and what I'll link to in the show notes is um, this thing from BuzzFeed, which is like my favorite uh, news source. <laughs> um <laughs> sarcasm Uh, (laughs) it was it was uh like um asking you know there's highly scientific survey of asking like a couple teenagers a couple middle-aged gen xers that's my gen and then like older people baby boomers about uh these kind of random emojis they picked Mm -hmm. up like skull and nail painting or whatever and even within an age group there are different interpretations. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's interesting. And I've always known that there is definitely like cultural, um, different cultural interpretations, of course, because I do think, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, a lot of the emojis, at least like with the iPhone came from like Japanese Mm -hmm. culture. And so, you know, first seeing them, you'd be like, oh, what do I use that one for? You know, I don't know. Like there's so many random ones that I'm like, I've never used this or I don't know what that is. Um, But in terms of like, a lot of the faces and the hand gestures, like you would think maybe would be on the same page, well, but, or at least that it's not like a generational thing, like that you're uncool. Yeah. Um, well, there's like if that, you use like red heart, the two you know. hands that have like little movement lines. I always thought that was like two high fives. And then I saw somebody yeah. else who was like, no, those are praise hands. And I was like, Oh, Okay, maybe oh, I shouldn't use okay. them. Like, I so, and I think of them as like the raise <laughs> the roof hands, yeah. <laughs> which we are both doing on screen. <laughs> yeah, so everybody can you like, all, pretend to see You us. all can't see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I <laughs> which have a funny you don't want to see. story related to this. Uh, a friend texted me the other day saying that um, you know, she had a, a tragedy in, in her family recently and, um, and she had – somebody had texted her and she wrote back and used a blue heart – and that mm-hmm. person thought that meant she was mad at them. Oh. And so she was asking me because I always use a blue heart when I'm like, mm-hmm. because I red hearts feel like super lovey and romantic and you know me, romance, blah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I use a blue heart all the time, but this other person who supp- interpreted it as meaning cold and upset. Oh, fascinating. And I was like, I didn't. I never. Oh gosh, yeah, and then we're gonna get into color theory. Right? Yeah, that is interesting. Like, ooh. well, and red heart, red heart is one of the ones that was considered like cringy, um, and maybe it is for that reason. I just use it as a generic, like, oh, love that. Yeah. But I, but I do wish that there was better options. And what I don't understand is, I'd rather use like pink heart to show like friendship love. Um, but the pink heart, there's no just single pink no, heart. Like there's that, like the like two little yeah. or the swirly one with the, anyway, could go on. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just thought this was kind of interesting and it ties in with like past episodes for sure of like 
language and interpretation, communication. Um, and, but also, yeah, just the sort of like, I'm trying to understand, like, how do you get from, so like in this BuzzFeed thing, like they um, had the, the face that I refer to as the wah face <laughs> and they, they called it the weary one. So it's sort of like, to me, I use it for like, like this bad thing happened, not like a really bad thing, but like, um, you know, oh, I lost my favorite spoon. And then you give like the little wham face. <laughs> um, favorite spoon. <laughs> don't you? Everyone has this favorite spoon, right? No, um, I just buy, I just bought my but, favorite spoon and all of them are. Oh, uh, well, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking more of like, um, not at home. Oh, okay. uh, like if you're at work, right? <laughs> there's a favorite spoon. Okay. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, but there's one that was interesting. Teens, or at least according, again, this highly scientific BuzzFeed survey, use it for reacting to like someone who's attractive. And I just, my brain is like, but that doesn't, I don't get that at all. Like why that would be the case. I wish everybody could see my Um, face right now. Yeah. (laughs) I'm super confused. Yeah. And, but then they also had like done the, um, they'd shown the melty face, which I just kind of love. Like, I'm not hundred percent sure. I wouldn't say like, oh, I know what that means across the board, but I kind of just love the face. But like when they asked like older people, they were just like, I don't even know what that is. I would never use that. And so I, I think it's interesting. I think it's kind of fun. I think it'd be kind of fun to do with like your own group of friends yeah. too. Um, and that's also kind of the thing, like I had seen, you know, articles about like emoji in the workplace and stuff. And a lot of times it just, has to do with like know your audience right? right so like and I think that is kind of true with texting in general um and you know I don't know this there was something about like emojis in the workplace and I was like I don't know if I've ever no. done that if that really quite belongs there no. but you know maybe if you're doing more like like we used to have like a chat right, right. with the other people on our team. Yeah, that's – and I feel um, like that's different. So, like I would never put in an emoji in email to my boss. No, no. no. Um, but also that – especially thinking about this like so much room for interpretation <laughs> or misinterpretation, um, maybe maybe wouldn't be a good idea. But I do I, – I would like to have learned more. Nothing I looked at really explained why it evolves, like why a thumbs up which has traditionally meant like a good thing, a positive thing. Like, do you like something? Yeah. You give it a thumbs up or like, do you understand? Yes. Thumbs up. Um, and then how that sort of changed, like, do you, is it because of something like you were saying, like you sent an emoji and someone said, Oh, I think it means this. And then you, you change changed how you, how you use it. Use yeah. it and then you, you tell me, we put it on the podcast. Now everyone <laughs> that listens, you know, is it stuff like that? Like, I find all of that it's really fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I learned. How about you? I'm learning about rocks. Oh, fun. <laughs> so uh, a friend of mine uh, reached out to me in my my work work, like my day job, um, at, with an idea um, to collaborate on some programming stuff. But it all comes back to um, this uh 
professor. His name is Dr. Ethan Baxter. He is based here in Massachusetts, um, and he is a geologist and earth sciences professor at, a, at the college level. And during the pandemic, he started a YouTube channel called Every Rock Has a Story, where he Cute. it's for kids, um, although mm-hmm. I learned quite a bit. <laughs> um, and so every episode is about a different type of rock and talks about the stories that the rocks tell. And but the um, so from from just the kind of the surface layer uh, experiences that it's this really great YouTube channel um, that has gotten really amazing, like production value, really interesting. They're about 10 minutes long. Um, the episode I watched this morning was about sandstone um, and how like a, a sandstone rock was found in a place where it shouldn't have been. And so they could tell that it had been moved by glaciers and how cool Ooh, that is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And um, and so they're all these bits of really cool information, but the overall goal that Dr. Baxter has is that he wants to make geology and earth sciences cool again, because that there's kind of a drop off in the number of people who are, are studying it. And that there's this like sense. And I, I, I had this too, when we were talking about it, that thinking back to my own high school experience that earth sciences were the like the classes you took if you couldn't get into biology and chemistry Hmm. you know they were the like the low track book uh, classes which is ridiculous because it's so important it's so like we need to understand our planet we need to understand how uh earth sciences and weather and and geology all kind of like play together especially with changing climates and um and so I'm super excited about this, the YouTube channel. I'm getting to share it with our listeners, um, but also a potential to kind of do a project to help get the the channel a little bit more um, uh, more exposure um, and mm-hmm. then help develop kind of a curriculum for kids at libraries. Oh, so, yeah. I think that's super Yeah. Exciting. And it's really, really interesting. He's just, he's just does a really great job. And the, like I said, this episode, um, also, he, he interviews other earth scientists and, mm-hmm. you know, from a wide variety of backgrounds. Um, and there are kids involved sometimes in introducing the rocks and, um, and, and also like trying to figure, solve, solve a puzzle too. And how mm-hmm. ro- rocks, like there, there's a story, but the, it's not, they can't talk, right? <laughs> so you can't just be like, hey, Rock, what's your story? But they and right. how earth scientists and geologists and soil scientists kind of mm-hmm. do their work to figure out where the rock came from, what right. it means, and, and you know, what, what right. makes it up. Well, and that the, the rock doesn't tell the whole story. Right. So you need to have, like, these other sort of puzzle pieces exactly. or other, other rocks. Yeah. Either. Um, no, you know, we actually love rocks in this household. Um, and when we go to the beach, you know, we're always kind of looking for good rocks yes. <laughs> to take home. Um, and I just think it's interesting to, you know, rocks from other places look so, so different. different yeah. You know, that and it does seem kind of silly, like as a grown up to be like, oh, yeah, like, just like you have different plants that grow in different areas of the US or different parts of the world, obviously, but you have different rock formations, different kind of rocks. Um, and it is kind of funny to me too, though, like, what, what I consider a good rock, as opposed to what my husband considers yeah. a good rock, uh, the kind that's worthy of, you know, of taking, taking home, home to put on mm-hmm. display. Yeah. 
Um, I always collect rocks too, and um, and my son does as well, and and he is notorious for just like putting them places. So when I I got a new car a couple years ago, and I was getting my old car ready to to trade in, or actually I gave it gave it away, and um, I was looking in the back of the car, like the pocket where in front of my my (laughs) sunset, it was just full of rocks. And then yesterday, uh, he was away all day. And I was like, well, we need to kind of, we we need to clean his room and it's overwhelming for him. So I'm going to like do a little bit of like first layer organizing. And my friend was over and she was like, I'll help you. And she kept saying, she's like, I found some rocks. (laughs) And here's another container of rocks. All in all, we had you know the Talenti uh, ice cream things. We had like three of those full of rocks, plus two bags of rocks that he actually bought at um, the Smithsonian. And yeah, just love rocks. Well, speaking of things we love, what have you been loving? I love coffee. I love coffee so much. A big surprise. <laughs> uh, so I specifically um, wanted to to give a shout out to uh, the Atlas Coffee Club, which sounds like, I don't know if I, I, I see like ads for it. And so, and I always think I'm like, oh yeah, it's that thing. But um, for Mother's Day this year, my husband got me a subscription to mm-hmm. this coffee club and um, they... It is all single source uh, coffee. So each, like each month, I get a bag of coffee, and it's from one place. And so they say, like, okay. this is the the farm in this country, or this like place area of this particular country, and um, it is so exciting when the box arrives. I'm just like ecstatic, and it's like, what country is it? So this month, the um, the coffee is from Mexico and um, it comes with like tasting notes and we uh, only make it on the weekends because it's not enough coffee to like last the whole month because I drink a lot of coffee. But so on weekend mornings, we make the good coffee and then we like talk about what it tastes like. And then I like make notes about like which ones we think are the best. And I um you know, we've done a couple like different kind of like food clubs or other things where we give it as a gift, but it's usually like three months mm-hmm. or six months. And so maybe like a couple months ago, I was like, oh, yeah, when is the coffee club ending? And mm-hmm. my husband's like, oh, no, no, no. I just signed up forever. And I was like, yay. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And, and so far, I mean, we haven't gotten any repeats yet. Um, we've had one, two, three. We've had eight months of it. And um, I have I put little emoji stars next to yes. in my notes <laughs> uh, when I take notes on it. And so. Mexico, I wrote yummy, chocolatey, Burundi, which was smooth Ooh. and very tasty. And there was one one that I was like, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I've just really enjoyed it because I, I, I tend to get in a like rut of like thinking of coffee as like this just functional thing mm-hmm. to help me mm-hmm. function in my right. life and a lot yeah. of times it is that but there's also like the sensory experience mm-hmm. you know like the smell of it being brewed in the morning and then that first sip and getting to try different things I just love it so much 
Oh, I think it sounds really great. Yeah. I think it sounds lovely. It, yeah, it makes it special. It does. I'm still waiting for the Kona coffee to show up. Um, that it, When my husband and I went on our honeymoon, we went to Hawaii. We got to go to a coffee mm-hmm. plantation and see the whole experience, the coffee roasting experience and mm-hmm. then try all the different things. And I, I really do really, really, really love Kona coffee, but it's hard to find here. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm waiting, keeping my fingers crossed oh. that like, Kona will be one of the months. <laughs> I'll keep my fingers crossed Thank too. You. <laughs> and what do you love? Um, I love the New York Times spelling bee game. There's a game? There is a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, New York Times has a bunch of games. And I have to admit, I am a subscriber. And I don't know. I know some of the things they have you don't have to pay for. And I, I'm not sure if this is one of them or not. Um, so just a little disclaimer there. But... I love word games um, and, you know, I like Wordle. I play almost every day. And this one I would try, I would try a few times uh, and it just was too hard and I didn't really understand it. And it made me feel just frustrated and stupid. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's not really fun. But then I read this article uh I don't know if it was an article or a little like op-ed, but and I can't find it again. So I'm going to keep looking for our show notes, but in case people are curious, but it was basically about the game and sort of this community that's grown up around it. And um, this woman who went on a road trip and she went to visit people, like people she didn't know, strangers basically, but that she's met through the game and through the community on Twitter. And there's also like this community forum right in the app. And this article explained the game a little bit more, but also that sort of, I don't know, that sense of community, even though I play now and I'm not, I don't consider myself part of the community. I don't post anything. It just intrigued me. It made me think like there's something more to this that I haven't caught on to. And, and now I am totally addicted to play <laughs> every day. Uh, but I also have a little bit of a strategy. And so to explain the game, uh, it, I play through the app. I think you can play online, but I haven't tried. But basically, you can think of like a little hexagon that's divided up into smaller hexagons of seven letters. So it's six little hexagons with one in the middle, and each one has a letter. So it kind of looks like a beehive, like yeah. a cross-section of a beehive, and that's the spelling bee. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then the, the, one, the letter in the middle is one that has to be used. So any word that you come up with has to have the word in the middle and that's what makes it extra tricky and they have to be um four letters or more for the word to count and so and then basically you just make up as many or come up with as many words as you can um and then there's always at least one uh pangram which would use all seven letters at least once so you can use the letters over again um And sometimes there's a bingo, which means uh, every letter represented has at least one word. Um, So that could be kind of helpful to know when you're looking. So I just start off my strategies. I just start off, you know, the top of my head, everything I can think of and do as much as I can. Um, They have like a little shuffle button so you can shuffle the letters around and that could be helpful just to like see it with new eyes. Um, and then also leaving it for a while. So 
um, it's become part of my morning routine. Like, so I do like to lay in bed and I'll play the game a little bit. I usually do the wordle first and then I start the spelling bee, you know, get those <laughs> word juices flowing. Um, but then when I can't think of any more, I give it a break, you know, and I'll come back to it. Um, and then what, what I learned about in this article is that they have hints um, within the app. And that is basically, it tells you how many words there are total. So now you know how close you are to finding them all. But then it also breaks it down into like the first two starting letters. Um, so if like one of the letters is uh, H and another letter is A, it'll tell you how many HA oh. words there are and then how many AH or whatever. So now if you want to like keep going deeper, you can try to like, oh, did you get all of those letters, all of the words that begin with those letters. Um, also, how many pangrams there are, because there's always at least one, but sometimes there's more. And yeah, if I'm really ambitious, I actually write out, like, I'll get to a point where I'm like, all right, I only have five left. Um, <laughs> so I need to figure out which ones I'm missing. And I'll write it out and try to go from there. And that helps me see new words, too. But then I do go, they have this community forum and people post hints there. Um, and that will be my last resort. <laughs> and Brian asked if that was cheating. And I've decided it's not <laughs> because the hints are very clever. You know, they're not, they're not really obvious. I mean, sometimes also, they're obvious. Cares? Yeah, it's just a game. Like it's, like you, you <laughs> yeah. Know. But it's not well, and it's also not yeah. well. It's also not cheating because you don't win right. anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for yourself. But it's more that I just want to know what the words are. Like I, I want to know um, what I've missed out on. And sometimes I do feel a little bit like I'll do the wah face emoji here because <laughs> I'm like, like oh, I can't. You know, I can't believe I missed that one. Um, I totally know that one. So the hints are helpful for that. But sometimes the hints themselves are, you know, just that clever that they're also figuring out a puzzle um and yeah so it's just like fun also to read the comments in the forum and they always have a thread that's like words you think should be part of the list they but aren't, aren't. Oh, and that kind of cracks me up because yeah it's just sort of funny and people will be like i think this one and then someone else will be like but that's not how you spell that word so you know yeah. and then like variations are like why is this allowed you know but but this version isn't, um, it's really, it's just kind of fun and goofy, but you know, I think it's also really good for, I love word games. Yeah. I like word games. I think it's really good to play these kind of challenging games. There's tons of research that it's good for your brain and helps keep you, uh, little more nimble thinking as, as we get older. Maybe that's my theme for uh, (laughs) today. It's getting old. It reminds me a little bit of, I played words, wordscapes and I go in like spurts of like wanting to play it a ton. Mm-hmm. My favorite word game of all time was one called Bookworm that doesn't exist anymore. And it was like a, a panel of words and you had like connected letters to make words oh. in it. And then I, I think I also just loved it because you got to like go up in levels and one of the levels was a librarian. And I was like, absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm getting, but I might have to try this one. Sounds like a lot of fun. It is fun. And it, I think it's really challenging. There are sometimes, 
like you look at the letter in the middle and you're just like, oh no, <laughs> like a letter C can be really hard sometimes to use. And, you know, it depends on what other letters are there, but you're just like, oh man. Or if there's um, an E and a D or an I and G, then you have to remember to use those like with other, you know, words right, you've right. made. So, um, so poop counts just so everyone knows. <laughs> Um, poop is a word. So then you have to remember to do pooped and pooping and pop and popped and popping. Um, so yeah, if you like word games and you have access, uh, check it out. Um, if you don't have access to New York times, I don't know what would be a good equivalent, but maybe some other listeners know and could share. I'd love to hear what your favorite word games are. I'm always looking for new ones. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks so much, Christy. Thank you. For another fun episode. This was fantastic and witchy and wordy and emoji-y. <laughs> yeah, all the random <laughs> things we we will somehow connect I'm just going to like pretend and make, make all my emojis. This is my favorite one. <laughs> the head slapping, yeah. Well, you see those things too that are like, you know, um, what are your most used emojis? And almost always mine are like, yeah, the shrug. <laughs> Christy just did the shrug. The shrug, the face palm, and like the glass of wine. Oh, like, and so, I have the, the scream. <laughs> yeah. The Something's scream. going on yep. when those are your most used. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Well, it was great to chat with you today. Um, yes, Thank you, too. everybody, for listening. Please reach out to us. We'd love to get your questions. Uh, questions about books or libraries or now but basically about anything uh you can send it to this pod is overdue at gmail.com we love to get fan mail uh, you can follow us on instagram at this pod is overdue so many ways to connect with us we, we're so happy that you listen yes we are thank you so much and um happy reading everyone bye bye thanks for listening to this podcast is overdue with christy and april bye everyone happy reading our podcast music was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alidu, the podcast maker. Find your own free podcast music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music. Me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumpers. <laughs> Rubber baby buggy bumpers. <laughs>